With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast we talk about taking what you've learned as a player and translating that to being able to coach your position we talk about staying within the fundamentals as scheme is ever expanding in the game and finally we focus on why you do this and joining me to talk about those things is the outside linebackers coach at the University of Akron Deontay Gibson coach it's great to have you here today absolutely great to have great to be on there appreciate you I like it because you are a, a Northeast Ohio guy, a Cleveland kid like myself. Uh, so it's great to have you back in the area. I was able to uh, follow your career a little bit, had recruited some of your teammates, and certainly uh, we were always aware of some of those guys like you. But great career in the Big Ten, uh, went on to the NFL. And for you, though, when, when was that switch turned to, you know what, I want to coach this game? Oh, um, so – one of the cool things about it is, I, you know, well, every little kid that, that plays this game long enough and, and, and is able to get to that point, they want to play in the NFL for X amount of years and do what they can. I had a ton of college injuries, and, and through the, the blessings or whatever it, it can be, I was able to survive those, have a good end of the year, and, and end up getting to the Lions. And, and that, unfortunately, I got released by the Lions and then got picked up in Tampa Bay and that was the end of the season, so I was sitting there and thinking I was going to get another contract, and this was 2016, and so I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'll get those, I'll get that contract, that futures deal. It didn't happen, and you know, December, excuse me, January of 2017, I was uh, going up to New York to for a trial with the Giants, and I couldn't get out of Chicago because of the fog, and so I kind of sat there and was like, hey, you know, going through the whole sit sitting at home waiting for a call for four months and then getting a call and then the call was great, but then they didn't give me a new deal. It was just kind of that, that kind of feeling was not something I wanted to go through again. And I was okay. I was kind of at peace with my decision with uh, walking away and not really pursuing anything outside of the CFL or just waiting for another call uh, before the draft. So I kind of said, I'm good and wanted to do something different. So I did some, I was working for a company in Chicago a uh, low-level job, entry-level job, and, and I did not like it <laughs> at all. Uh, I missed the game, but I but I didn't miss it in the sense of uh, I needed to play. I was okay with that. I, I felt content with my career, and 
I'm good. I just wanted to be around ball and see how I can affect uh, change with these young guys. So end up, you know, going to visit my now wife and she was in grad school and she was the one that nudged me to call my coaches at Northwestern um, about potentially GA. And um, at the time, I was I was still enrolled in my grad program. I just had three credits left, which translated to an internship, um, which was nice. So I kind of gave them a call and was like, hey, if there's any openings, I'm willing to volunteer, do whatever I can. But I just want to be around ball. And they actually had a GA opening. GA had just left, I want to say, a few weeks before I called. So it was like perfect timing. So, and I've been I've been loving it since. It's been it's been very fulfilling. So you step off the field, obviously playing at the highest level, and now you become a coach. And you know, looking at those early days as the coach, um, you realize that there's some differences in these guys you were coaching compared to where you play. Before you and I got going, we were kind of thinking about that that there was a switch around that time where that that old school. I guess we could call it old school way of doing things, mentality, et cetera, kind of to, took a shift and, and changed, to, especially to where it is today. Uh, talk to us about some of those things you started to see and what you were learning. Oh, yeah. So I, I came up in there uh, during a time, and I'm not that much far removed from a lot of the, you know, the high-intensity practices, the long periods, a lot of collisions, like everything that was, what for the the foundation of football was still very much alive coming up as a kid and definitely in high school and for the better part of my collegiate career. Um, and it started to transition now once I got out of the game and was a GA that the guys were way more inquisitive and needed to know the why to everything. And initially it is a normal human like interaction. That's pretty annoying to have to explain yourself seemingly every time, but it wasn't after a while I figured out it really wasn't them being questioning of like your credibility or, or them thinking they knew the right answer. They just needed to know what's the point of us doing this? Like, how is this helping us? And to be quite honest with you, it gave a lot of us insight on how to think, make things more conducive because it, if that level of questioning um, would cause a level of hesitation when a full drill or something else is going to happen because they don't understand why they're doing something. And so I think, these 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 level athletes now are a lot, I want to say smarter. They're just a little more confident in saying, hey, coach, like, I don't agree with this. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, sometimes you need to just sit back and just run the drill. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you need to know why, so I'm going to help you see why and kind of give you film answers and on-the-field fields. And these guys help you, I think, in my opinion, this this relationship now is a lot different from when I was a a young player. Um, so now it, it kind of uh, like validates or quality controls your own situations or your own scenarios so that everything you're doing is more conducive to their success. Um, and it holds you to a standard. If there's this, this level of standard that you, you preach to your guys, but now it's, it's checking, checking bases on you. So it's like, okay, cool. Like it keeps you sharp. So I, I mean, I don't really mind it too much. There comes a point where you're like, okay, we just need to roll. But at the same time, man, it's, it's, it's helping us kind of, grow the game um so now we're reaching these new level of athletes and we're adjusting to them but at the same time given those foundations that really helped me be the player i was i think it's still important and critical to get to them too uh, kind of merging those two families or those two schools of thought has been cool it's been awesome to see well i would imagine too in stepping off the field i mean again you've you made it to the highest level you were you know an all big Ten on the all big 10 team 
uh, also a captain at, at Northwestern. And, you know, when, when you talk about the old school, it was a lot of command and control, right? The, the coach would tell you jump, you'd say, you know, how high now it's, they tell you jump, you say, why? Right. So, so knowing that there's going to be a lot of why, I guess would help you remove some of, you know, what a lot of, of young coaches, especially those who played at the highest level, go through an expert blind spot. Things just became inherent. This is how you do it. I can feel it. I know yeah. it. I, maybe I can't express it. So now I imagine early on that was helpful for you probably to accelerate your development and knowing that I'm going to have to address why with these guys all the time. Absolutely. It was cool to see uh, the game from a lens um, that I, I obviously never got a chance to see through. Um, going back to my alma mater, it was guys on the team that I played with. Shoot, two of my best friends were still in, in the program. So, like, I got the opportunity to coach two of my best friends, and I was that was great. And the thing that I learned about them is just how they kind of – how they saw the game. I didn't realize it as, a, as their teammate and as their friend how um, there were some things that they, like – didn't understand why we were doing things. So it kind of, again, like you talked about that blind spot, because you know how to dip and bend the corner, how to resurface on guys, how to understand angles, how to see, okay, this guy's doing this with his foot when he's going to pull or he's doing this when he, he's going to have to down block or whatever it may be when he's a vertical setter, how he's going to, how he's going to set when he's going to punch, like how you can time it up. There's things that innately you believe everybody should see, but they don't. And so it, it makes you, um, really check yourself. And, and to be honest with you, I before I got into it, um, the industry, man, I act like I was a novice. Like, I didn't know anything. Because I, I think coming in with a level of arrogance that I, like, knew how to play the – I knew how to coach the defensive line because I played it here. That would have that really hindered my development. So I went in truly like a novice. So I just wanted to know and learn how, like, how to reach people. Um, and I think connectivity is huge. Um, as a teacher so I mean you can know everything in the world but if the person you're supposed to teach it knows nothing then that means that doesn't do anybody any good so um, finding a way to connect with those guys was huge and and finding my vehicle of uh, connection was something I've worked through for two years at Northwestern and kind of carried it through to me now and man I have some, I have some good people in my corner that kind of set me straight and got me together and then had a lot of honest conversations with people on how to how to do this the right way. And it's been, it's been great. You talked to me before we got going about being able to be in a position as you are to really make an impact, you know, talking about that connectivity with the guys who are in your room and being able to be that role model, not only as a coach, but as a person, right. That example of a guy who's, who's made it, but also now has, um, you know, a, a position of authority to develop other people, uh, that's been a big part of, you know, realizing that and creating the opportunity both for yourself and for your players to really develop to the full potential. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty crazy because the, the first thing it's happened every every time that I've gotten with my new group of guys, and uh, the first thing the guys do is they they kind of size up their coach. I mean, I, I did as a player. I looked at my coach. I was like, this dude played running back in, in college. And I don't know, how are you going to tell me how to play D-line? At least initially, in my young little dumb 18-year-old mind, it, it was like you do that initial size up thing that happens. It's not in the level of disrespect, but you just kind of just want to see, like, where they stand and until they, they kind of verify that, yeah, you came here for a reason. So, guys do that with me 
I think initially, just because of how I'm built, they're like, okay, he looks like he played the position. He looks like he would be super intense type of deal. And then they kind of do their research and they come back and then they ask questions. And then from there, it's just, for me, it's, I don't want any of my guys to be me. Like, I'm only me and I got taught from XYZ and I got some pretty cool genetics from my, from my family. So I can't, like, translate a lot of stuff that I did over to them. I could just kind of meet them halfway or, how to process what they do great um, and kind of go from there. Um, the one thing I try not to, I never use examples of myself um, and anything that I do for how to resurface on blocks or do anything in general. I never show that on purpose. Cause I don't want them to see that. I want them to know that that happened, but I don't want that to be a part of my coaching deal as well. If that makes sense. Cause I like kind of like having the two separate worlds. Cause I know how to help, get those guys to where they want to get to. But then at the same time, I don't want them to think I'm telling them I want them to be like me. And I'm not trying to relive my glory days through them all the time either. When you do get out on the field though, you know, being, being a relatively young guy, still in shape, able to do some of those things, uh, especially early on, how has that been advantageous for you to be able to demonstrate and show them exactly what that looks like on the field? Yes, that's been huge because it helps clarify the drill or clean up the drill demonstrations a lot better for them um, because I'll explain something verbally in a meeting and then I'll go on the field and show them and I kind of get their help them adjust with their bodies and there's some things that some guys will be limited in, in ability to do so I kind of adjust the drill based on that but the emphasis I can at least drive through visually for them as well so now not only am I giving them verbal cues in the meeting I'm giving them the visual ones because I still can move around that is the advantage of being I'm relatively young in it. Um, I understand as I continue to grow older in industry and and get uh, a a real good GA, I'm not going to be doing that as much. But as long as I can do it and and show them how to do it right, I'm going to keep doing it. So stepping away from that role of coach, the guy who's the technician, the guy who can show them all the things, um, and getting more into the way you can impact these guys off the field in life, um, what what do you see as – you know, your advantage right now, um, probably some in, in recruiting and being able to relate, but also being able to be, um, you know, that guy, again, kind of the, the role model off the field as well. Absolutely. I think you're, I think uh, the best thing I learned from all my mentors, your players are a reflection of you and who you want them to be. Um, so you, you kind of give, you give both avenues for them in that regard. And so I really, I really try to harp on being the best version of myself just for not only my, for them, but also for my, my own self and my family. Um, so I can't tell them to do something and then not live it. I just feel terrible if I'm telling them to be an upstanding young man and then I'm out here living her- horribly. So that's why I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just got to be exactly who I am and uh, be comfortable in my skin, and that lets them be exactly who they are. Um, and I always want my guys to be upstanding. I think that's the biggest thing in, in this industry is just not to lose sight in the fact that football's going to end for them someday. And so if the only thing they got from you is how to be a good football player, you didn't do them a, a service. You did them an extreme disservice. More than ever, information is available. It's funny, on Facebook the other day I saw uh, – a picture from Nate Moore, who's at Matchland, Washington. It was an empty mm-hmm. bookshelf, and 
and the caption he put on is, I bet a lot of young coaches don't know what this is, right? We had to learn from, you know, the, the little resources we could find, right? Books, VHS, I'm really dating myself, VHS tapes, then DVDs. Now uh, you could get on, you know, the, the Zoom calls every single day with somebody across the country. If you want to talk ball or someone to talk ball, if you need to get to somebody, it's pretty easy to do right now. If you want to find resources, they're all over the internet. So knowing the what is is pretty easy. How do you balance that with the how? Some of the things that you work on every day, whether that's your everyday drills or the, the everyday skills and techniques that you need to teach, finding that balance between scheme and technique. Yeah, I think it's uh I think the biggest thing is because you have so much access, it also can redirect you into some of the, the more incorrect or proper teachings of things. I think you have to be rooted in some level of foundation that only can be had via the old school. You kind of, like I said before, you kind of got to merge the old school with the new school mentality. You got to go see people and you got to find a way to, okay, if this coach is here and, and he's wanted, wanted to connect, you got to find a way to do it um, and go through the avenues that way. And then utilize all this access that you have um, to drills and all the guys that teach ankle flexibility and mobility PTs and, and you kind of merge all your, your school of thought with that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the biggest thing is you gotta, you gotta know what you want to get out of it. If, it, if, if what you're trying to look for in a summer is how to improve pass rush, then calling up the, the biggest names in the industry. Yeah, that'd be great. But like the likelihood of getting to them is going to be pretty low. So you're going to run yourself rapid and then just going off all the drills that Aaron Donald's doing and, on, and and all those high-level pass rushers, that's not going to lead you anywhere either. I think the biggest thing is you've got to network with people within realm and within reason that can that can help you get to where you want to get to, which shouldn't be too difficult because, like you said before, we can connect with anybody uh, for the most part. But I, I don't know, man. I think you got to really understand. you got to have a plan for what you want to do and then taking a small bite and, and you might have to get in your car and go see some people. I mean, this it's – it's too. It's almost too much information out there because it, it leads people around down the wrong way. I mean, as much as everybody would love to, I mean, it's only one Aaron Donald in the world, and so, and the next Aaron Donald probably ain't gonna come for the next fifteen years. So we all can keep calling these new kids the next this, that, and the other, but it's only one. So thinking we can just mimic that all the time is, I think it's it's semi-lazy and it's also a false sense of hope and it puts a lot of pressure on these kids and it puts too much pressure on coaches too to to the kind of replicate those sort of deals so i think in taking things in small bites with all this access information is is really key when when you look at all the things that you can do as a coach then and, and i think you look for same as right so that all right we're gonna have these set of of games we're gonna talk about those in a little bit but Boiling those down to, in order to get this done right, these are the techniques we need to work at, and these are the drills that help us accomplish that. How do you look at all those new things you might be able to bring in, uh, some wrinkles you might add, to still keeping that within something that's very manageable to teach your players and start to perfect within them? Absolutely. I think um, a lot of coaches got to trust what they, what they do. And, and just kind of fine tune their own um, set of tools. 
And then when things start to get stagnant, like as we kind of preface there, then you start to reach out to some of the people that help get you to where you are. Um, and then for me personally, man, I talk to young coaches. Like I'm a young coach, but coaches that are really young in the industry that are some guys that are really film grinders. And I talk to them, man, and, and try to figure out, okay, what do y'all do? And I talk to some of my uh, some of my best friends that still play. Like, what do you guys do? How are you guys teaching games? How are you guys teaching pass rush? How are you guys teaching striking? Like, what are, what are some of the things you do? And then a lot of the drills are very similar, but there's a there's a little bit of a tweaking and um, implementation that usually I try to grab and make it my own in a sense of making it applicable to the players. So I think that's where you kind of meet the the access information um, with a little more direction. I think trusting what you have is great. Unless what you have hasn't been working, then, yeah, you got to scrap it and start over in a sense. But a lot of times it's just fine-tuning what you already do um, and giving some visual evidence or, or just even whatever kind of evidence that you can get to show that what you that you're on the right path, I think it's huge. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I read a lot of stuff on um, mentality and leadership and confidence and um, how to how to boost those within your players because it's we all know it's not what you know it's how you run it. So, what's been your favorite takeaway from all those things you read? Something that just comes to mind right now that you know in being able to lead this is a piece that really resonated with me. I think the, the honest and direct communication hasn't left uh, the prior generation and this new generation. I think everybody squeams and, and gets a little nervous at directness, but at the same time they embrace it because now they know where they stand. So I think that level of communication is, 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 is invaluable. The, the more as honest as you can be with these guys, man, it, it sets them it sets them apart and, and puts them in the right position to know where they stand and, and how they can operate from there. And it gives you good direction because now you've built some rapport and like, okay, I know coaches are going to steer me the wrong way because he's always honest. So I think that's huge. That honest and direct communication is huge. When you look at, you know, all the things you're able to do on the field, getting into the X's and O's, what would you say is that one defense, that one thing you can do on defense, that play that, would be your signature play. Uh, you know, if you had the ability to make the decisions and, and call it, it's going to be in the game plan all the time. Um, anything that involves any pass rush games. I love I love just figuring out how to manipulate what, what offensive linemen see, how offensive line coaches um, kind of prep for what, what you got going on up front in the blitz package, pressure package, and, and games deal. And just finding different ways and angles to manipulate what we normally do on a first and second down situation and tweaking them minorly to make it look exactly the same on third down. Um, I think keeping the pitcher consistent is one of the deals that people take for granted. A consistent pitcher is offensive worry, in my opinion, because now you don't know what's coming after you. So that level of disguise and, and being particular in how you do things is huge. Um, what would be the, the most basic game from you for you that you would say, all right, this is where I start? I always start with the with the simple text game. So tackle first, end around and A gap occupying the B to C A gap for the end. And um just one of the things I learned from my one of my friends who's now with the Giants is um they teach it the first time they teach it is the three technique in a text game remains a true B gap pass rusher, bellies out to the quarterback's outside shoulder, one yard to the outside shoulder late. Because they do this 
it never looks like a game. They can't switch it off. They can't pass it off clean. And if they do pass it off, the three technique runs free. They pass off the wrong way. They end one-on-one with a center if he gets the slide. If he doesn't, he's in the A-gap with the running back between him and the, him and the quarterback or nobody. So I think letting that game kind of play out naturally um, on first and second down really gives you an advantage on third down when you start to put some of those speed guys in there. And it's like, man, none of this looks different. So you can be stunting the entire game without anyone knowing. Um, I think that's huge. Coach, football, especially as you get to the FBS level, can really get crazy in this profession. So many things that are added to the plate today, especially right now with what we're going through, uh, all the extra things that you have to even do to to get through spring ball, right? Uh, What helps you really stay focused on the important things? Oh, yeah. We kind of hit on this um, earlier at times. And um, the person I reference will reference now for forever is my – one of my big brothers in the industry and one of my truly one of my he's a family he's a family member it's, it's my brother man he's he's a brother to me um he's now the newly running back coach at Tulsa Jay Neverett um the big thing he tells told me all the time man he get on me be like man never forget why you're in this why you're doing this what's your purpose because once that starts to leave you it's no point of being around this game the game doesn't deserve it the kids don't deserve it um never forget your purpose and for me I got in it because I want to be able to help elevate players and get them to the to the highest level they want to get to. And and in the end, when they leave the game and they hang their cleats up, 30 years from now when I see them, they'll remember something that I taught them about life. And if they remember how to run a text game, that's nuts because they shouldn't be running text games no more. But it will be awesome if they do. But if they remember one thing they got about life and how it affected them for the um, for the positive, then I think that's a win. Um, just affecting these lives of these young men, 18 to 22, um, is important. And that's my purpose. So I don't ever want to lose sight of that, whether when things get tough, when things get too hectic, and even when things are great, just keep riding the wave of why you're doing this. It's huge. Coach, when you look at all the things that you do, and you've, you've mentioned a lot of great things here today, what's the one thing you point to that really gives your guys the winning edge? Oh, they get all of me. They get all of me. I think it's the guys have met my wife. My guys here have met my wife multiple times. Um, They've met my dogs. Um, They've been to my house. They've done, like, you know, we've done things, and we've had honest conversations about life. We have honest conversations about football. Um, We've done it all. I think the winning edge they get is they have that extra boost. I get the room to play for each other. They got to – a, a good a good enough relationship with me. I'm not going to say – like every coach say, all oh, my players love me. I'm never going to say that. There's going to be somebody that's like, I don't like this dude that much today. But I think all my players have a great respect for me and um, want to go out there and do it for themselves and do it for their brotherhood. And if a little part of them wants to do it for me, that's okay. If it's not, the biggest thing I love is the fact that I get them to bond and really do it for each other. Um, and I think that's huge. It's really hard to let – somebody it's hard to let yourself down but it's really hard to let yourself down and somebody else so that's my edge man we do it together so that's that's how that's how i live the game that's how i do it coach what's the best way for coaches out there to connect with you oh man so i'm i get swamped on twitter in the dms and i really hope whoever's reading this is not thinking i'm ignoring them it it gets a lot of dms at a time so i try to cycle through and answer them when i can 
Um, man, feel free to hit me up whenever, man. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not too too airheaded or too big headed to believe I figured this thing out. Um, I want to learn from everybody. So if you want to reach me, reach me on Twitter, um, and then we can connect from there. We connect offside of Twitter, and if you're in the in the area, we can connect, man. I I just like to I like to grow the game with the right people and just doing it the right way, man. It's for the it's for the kids, man. It's for the for these young men, never losing sight of that. So anybody that's down to kind of live that mission, I'm always down to connect. And you can follow Coach on Twitter. It's at Coach underscore D Gibson. Coach, also for those guys out there listening, what areas do you recruit? I'm in Northeast Ohio recruiting area guy. I got Southern Ohio, primarily Dayton. And in my previous stops, I've had connections in Indiana and Kentucky. So, um, I still got some good relationships and guys in those areas. So primarily Ohio guy, but you know, I got love for everybody that wants to play ball, uh, play ball for me as well. So I'm, I'm here to connect with everybody. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and best of, of luck to you and the zips in 2021. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.